James for three. Bang! At the buzzer! We're talking about practice. Welcome to another episode of the Buckets and Beards podcast. And what a week it's been in a week. the NBA it has been this week. It has absolutely been a week this we've week. Got, we've got a bit to go through and we're going to try something a bit different this week instead of having a segment. But we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, I think it's uh, we might just get into the unofficial sponsor. Unofficial drink sponsor for this week. I've never seen this before. I don't even know what it is or even how to say half of it. D&B. 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 This one's going to have to go up on socials because I've got no idea. Burdock and Dandelion. Yeah. So whatever that is, it's... Oh, Dandelion and Burdock, obviously. D&B. Yeah. Either got way. it now. I've got no idea what flavor this is going to be or anything, but all I know is it's bubbly sparkling dandelion and burdock flavor soft drink with sugar and sweeteners there you go so yep uh, <coughs> this it might be interesting we'll give it a bash cheers cheers oh you can really taste the dandelion yes you can taste the cough syrup yeah that's... No, it's a it's a bit licorice i don't, yeah, I I don't mind it yeah i don't mind it actually it's a bit licorice it reminds me of um been at the pub on a Saturday night sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely is licorice. That's bit that's of bit of sure. bit of licorice Galliano in that one. Oh, don't just no. That's bad memories right there. I I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind that actually. No. I, like it's it's still probably only a seven out of ten. It's not it's not great, it's but not it's not best. overly sweet. It's not sweet. No, no, so no, I'm not, not don't mind that at all. It's not a punch in the face kind of sweet. All right, after that refreshing beverage, let's just get into our top threes for the week. What have you been seeing this week over there, George? So look, this whole episode is going to be a little bit different to what we normally do. So rather than talk about three performances that have been particularly eye-catching or players that are struggling or whatever, I want to look at three Western Conference teams that need to make a trade before the deadline. Okay, interesting. Okay, so that's where I'm going today. No particular order. This this is not ranked or anything, but this is just my opinion on who needs to make a trade. Okay. And the first one, possibly surprisingly so, is Denver. Okay. Okay. I don't think they need to make a major move, but I think they need someone behind Joker that isn't DeAndre Jordan. Okay. That's my thought. I think they need... I don't know whether it's... You know, like a Hardenstein from the Knicks would be the perfect person to play in behind the Joker. Yeah, like a hard-bodied yeah. big man to yep. just come in and bash around people yep. and that sort of thing. Yep, grab some boards, block some shots, be intimidating. They definitely are a bit short at that. Uh, yeah. Not short, but a bit um, light on yeah. in, in the center position. Yep. Um, but, okay. I'll take that on board. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure, not sure on that one, but because uh, I actually feel like DeAndre Jordan's actually given him some decent minutes. He is. He, he's getting up there in age. That's my concern. Um, he's not Lob City anymore. But, but you know what happens if, if DeAndre pulls a hamstring, turns an ankle, something like that? Like their depth at center is is limited. Oh yeah, then they'll definitely need to pull the trigger on a trade. So that's why I was thinking. Yeah, that's that's why. Oh yeah, you know, whether it's a trade or whether it's a buyout candidate. Yeah. But yeah, that that's my thought. Denver needs help just there. 
And plus, I don't think we give Denver enough love here. Yeah, fair enough. What do you got for us, Foss? Um, so I'm going to do something a bit different. I normally am the East man. I talk a lot about the East and you that do. sort of thing. But I was having a look at the Pelicans the other day. Another team we probably don't show enough love Another to. Another team we don't show enough love to. And they're just... They're not putting it all together no. at the moment. Um, I think they're sitting about seventh in the West um, as uh, of today, yeah, I can which we're that. recording this on Sunday. So I think they're sitting about seventh. Um, they're yeah, over seventh. 500. I think they're about 23 wins. 23 and 16. I've, yeah, just, I've just brought it up just in front of me. 23 yep. and 16. But that's not good enough. Like you look at their roster that they've got. They've no. got BI, Brandon Ingram, all-star caliber player when he wants to be. You've got Zion Williamson, all-star caliber player, when he shows up. That that's what it is. It's, You've got it's that. It's that when they want to, yes. you nailed it. Like it's it's just that intensity and that drive that isn't there. But they they traded for CJ McCollum the other year, which was an excellent trade. I thought that was a really big pick up for them. I know he um, had some injury troubles. Like yeah. he had a busted lung or something. Yeah, he had a punctured lung. Got a punctured lung, but all-star caliber player when he's on his game and he's turning up and that sort of thing. Got um, off the bench, uh, Troy, no, Trey. Trey Murphy. Yeah, you got Valentunas in the middle. Valentunas in the middle. All quality players. Did they're, they're Alvarez, Alvarez has come out of nowhere and they're, is a solid backup at that point guard. Um, but their just consistency. is so much better than what they're putting on the floor. Oh, 100%. And so- you see, like, Zion cops a lot of crap for his conditioning. Um, and he'll come out and he'll have a really good game and you'll be like, oh, Zion's back and sort of stuff. And then he just disappears. Yeah. Because he just he's just doesn't, I don't know, have that consistency yet. He just is that look, a, is looks... That, is that an age thing for Zion? Is that a, the fact that he hasn't been able to stay on the court because he's not been healthy throughout his whole career? Look, I, I think it comes down a little bit to the fact that he has just been told f- for his whole life that You're he's going to be the main man. Yeah. Um, so he hasn't had to work at it. He actually hasn't had to work at his game very much because he's a super athlete and that sort of thing. You look at his jump shot and that, like, it's it's funky. It's a yeah. funky jump shot. He he hits him every now and then. But look, if you have a defender on him that can actually stop him going left, yeah, he can't he do struggles. anything. Yeah, Because he, he, nobody, he hasn't had to learn how to do anything else because he literally goes to his left hand and just jumps over everybody he's and puts always, the ball in. Yeah, out jumped or out bodied everyone. And so now he's playing with men. Yep. And like he They're just not letting him do it. Not letting him do it. Like don't get me wrong, he still can body him in and get in there and that sort of thing. But I'm just not sure he's focused. He's interested. And there has been the talks around him not buying into the Pelicans culture and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I think that could they could be another team in the West that needs to just blow it up a little bit and and trade for some extra pieces. Like, B.I. has worked hard at his body. He's put on a little muscle. He's still pretty thin, but apparently he's quite strong. Yeah. Um, and, he, yeah, as I said, he's an all-star caliber player, and I think you just need to put people around him to get him playing at that level. Next level. And, look, you're absolutely right. Like, a team, like we've talked about a few times, is, you know, in the Knicks, that yep. could use someone like Zion you know, if you swap him out with Randall and a few pieces and some draft picks, like that potentially helps the Pelicans as yep. well. Yeah, definitely. It gets gets Zion in a big market and, you know, with more scrutiny, it might actually and drive him to Playing to under Coach Tibbs as well. Like Zion's going to have to- Be accountable. Be accountable on defense yeah. um, or else, yeah, he's not going to play. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I might've took your thunder there a bit with uh, 
talking about West team needing no, no. To, to change things up, but I'm all for it. I was looking at their roster, looking at the way they're playing, and I'm just like, what is what is going on with them? Yeah. Like they are above 500, yeah, but they're sitting seventh, and they're, they're going to stay there. They're going to stay yeah. somewhere between seven and ten. Maybe make the play in, maybe make the playoffs, or they might just drop all the way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right, and yeah, there's a lot of teams in the West that need some help, and another one is the Warriors, like. Ooh, yeah. They are just trash at the moment, whether it's energy, effort, injuries, suspensions. They're garbage. Well, I did like they see... got blown out by the Pelicans by nearly 40 at home. Yeah, I did see the other day. Um, they've literally just came out, and I think it was Shams or somebody yeah. who like reports for the NBA and that sort of stuff. And they're just like, they've come out saying that everyone except for Curry's on the chopping block. Yeah, which is fair enough. They too. literally just blown it up. Like we talked on the last podcast about whether they should get rid of Steve Kerr. We're like, no, you, no. you're not getting rid of Steve Kerr. You're not getting rid of Curry. But anyone hey, else is move, move on everyone else. Even yeah. like your, lung, your young Kaminga or Bodzinski, who's playing really well at the moment as well. Like, see, move I th- them on. I think, no, see, I think they could probably keep those two and just about everybody else. Like Chris Paul's got a broken hand, is out for a month. Moses Moody's just Wave done him. his calf. He's out for a month. Wave him. Oh, 100%. I know with Chris Paul, I'm, I'm with you, 100%. But like we've talked about here before, and I know we've talked about it ourselves, send Wiggins back to Toronto. Yeah. Send, send Wiggins to Canada. He doesn't look like he wants to be there at the moment. Maybe if he goes back home, he's going to find a new lease in life, playing with some younger guys, playing with Barrett and Quigley and these guys. I've watched I've watched a bit of the Warriors, though, these last couple of weeks because obviously I'm on holidays still. Um, but... Wiggins is starting to pick up his game a little bit. Yeah, but he's, he's, he needs it, to like, get it, some value. I know what I'm saying a little bit. It's like the tiniest yeah. amount. He's shooting the ball better. He's looking a little more engaged on defense. But you're I right. Still, you're right. He he probably needs to go back to Canada. And I look and I, I say that because you know Siakam's the big name that keeps getting mentioned. But Siakam would be a great fit in the Warriors. Siakam's because- wanting a supermax contract though next year. So there's a lot of teams that are hesitant to oh, get him for a supermax, or I think it was max, like thirty three mil but or thirty four million. Don't or something. generally care about payroll. No, the only team you're going to get that's going to cause you issues with something like that, you know, is is like a Charlotte. You know, they don't like to spend money, but the Knicks don't care about spending money. Yeah. The Lakers don't care about spending money. Philly doesn't care about spending money. Neither do the Warriors. Yeah. So that that's that's my next one. Yeah. Um, and talking about Canada, I'm actually going to move on to Toronto for my next point. Ooh, love it. So they came up against the Lakers the other day. They did. And they didn't start a player taller than 6'8". True. And which is AD went crazy. off and dropped 40. Which is crazy, isn't it? But they only just won as well. Yeah. They only just beat them, but I was just like, all right, they're, they're embracing like small ball. They're going real small. When do you see that small? You just don't. You don't. Do you. you don't anymore. Like, like the Warriors. The, the, the Warriors, Warriors with, maybe um, if with they Mooney don't start- at 6'9", starting yeah. at centre. That's yeah. that's probably as small as you get in these days. Yeah. Most teams are starting a, a genuine seven footer. Yeah. Um, if not two, but yeah. But there was some calls there as well. I know we don't like to talk about the refereeing, but look, it's something I was thinking we touch on later today because there's been a few calls lately that have definitely generated some discussion but there was some calls late in that game yes um which we know it's an all-star league and the referees get told they need to like make it entertaining and get those superstars yeah. playing well and that sort of thing like superstars are going to get 
calls and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it did sink Toronto in that one. Like, uh, look, it, it absolutely did. And if you haven't already, go and have a listen to uh, Toronto's coach's rant after the game. Yeah. It's hilarious. But also everything he says is so true. Yes. Like he slams the you know, the free throw disparity and all of these sorts of things, and you look at it, and, and it and it honestly it doesn't make sense in an NBA game how you can have such a huge disparity in free throws. Yeah, but like it, it's even you know even at the level of playing social basketball, where if you've got one team that's got one foul and the other team that's got nine, you're like, well, come on, like surely surely their defense isn't that good that they're only getting one foul. Like it's the same. Surely the Lakers' defense isn't that good that they aren't being fouled on on any sort of penetration or getting into the bonus or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think getting RJ Barrett up there was good for Toronto. Huge. And they have shown improvements, um, but they are, are currently on a three-game losing streak. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be a very young team. Like Siakam's about 30, and if they trade him, they're going to be yeah. very, very young. You know, someone like Gary Trent Jr. could be moved, Jacob Potal, however you say his name. Yeah. yeah, he could be moved as well. So there's they they really have the potential to really embrace youth right at the moment, especially you know going and getting someone like Wiggs, who's not as old. And like other than the last game against uh, Utah, where Barrett only had four points for the game and shot yes. two from nine from the field. He's been a jab. He had 24 man. points, 23 points, 37 and 14 in his first game for Toronto. I think that was on January 5th. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, he's he's doing what he was doing in New York. Yeah. Um, and Bar- he's helping support Barnes. Yep. Um, I'm actually not sure what Quickly has done up there. I should Quickly's, probably look that up. up he there. has been starting and he's been rock solid as well. Like I know we, we've talked about it many, many times, like the Sabonis Halliburton trade where both teams won. I think this is another one. Yep. Like you know, for, for Toronto to go younger with Barrett and Quigley and move off of Anubi, it helps their direction going forward. And Anubi, no disrespect, is a massive step up from Barrett in the Knicks. And Quigley has dropped uh, 20 points in three of his first five games for Toronto. Yeah, so he's doing his thing. He, he um, needed the opportunity. And he's playing 26 to 38 minutes a game. Yeah. So that's way more playing time than he was getting yeah. in for the Knicks. So I think that's good for his development because he, he was somebody who unfortunately was quite talented but was just held back by the players in front of him. And that's all it was. It's purely because you know when, when you look at the Knicks and you've got Brunson and you've got Barrett, players DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, these guys. It's it's hard to find minutes for everyone. Yeah. It's probably the same reason why Derek Rose moved on again. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because he just wouldn't have got the opportunity. Now again, he can't stay on the court, but that's that's a different story. All right, what other team needs to trade in the West there, mate? Look, there's probably a lot. Um you know Memphis. Like what are Memphis gonna do? They've just lost John Morant for the year. They've already got Stephen Adams out. Yeah, you know, they got so many injuries. You told me yesterday they're signing Isaiah Thomas. Like Well, it's not official yet, but allegedly that, it has been reported that they are offering him a contract. Yeah, so you know that that's a team that but they're not gonna go anywhere. Because Marcus Smart can't stay on the court. No. Derek Rose can't stay on the court. No. Tyus Jones, can't. I think, might miss most of the season. I yeah, think he actually sure. his injury was worse than what they first intended. So, um so, so someone, there's three point guards, no, including Jar. There's what four point guards yeah. out. So they need help, but they're not who I want to talk about. The one I was going to throw in, and again, it's probably one of the most obvious ones, is the Lakers. But I wanted to get your opinion on this and be like, who should they target? Ooh. 
because like we know we've been we've been reading about we've been talking about it there's talks with Dejounte Murray from the Hawks that will shore up that you know that point guard position give them yep. a better defender and a, you know he's he's shooting the three ball reasonably well who who is expendable in the Lakers and who should they target because the Lakers at the end of the day they are so deep with talent yep. that they can't get their rotations right no. because you don't have a clue who to play when to play and, and it's all over the shop and when you've got a young coach still and they've been saying that as well like because obviously they took Reeves out of the starting lineup and now he's back in the starting yeah, lineup and D-Lo's been in and out yeah um, but even and like there's, Vanderbilt, there's just no, Torin no consistency. Yeah, Torian yeah. Prince, Cam um, Reddish, like all those three guys, they're all floating in and out. Like, yeah. the, the, apart from LeBron and AD, what would you do? We're putting your GM hat on here. GM again. hat, my six million dollar hat. That's it with um, your sweats and your trackies and all that. Yeah, look, it's it's a big question, and I'm not sure the Lakers like they do have a talented roster, um, but they gave up a lot of. Um, assets last year to rebuild and make their run yep. at the trade deadline last year. They they rebuilt their roster last year and gave away a lot of draft picks and that sort of stuff. Well, they've so, got one draft pick that they can trade. One future yep. first, that's it. But again, come January 15, more contracts are able to be traded. That's where we're going to start seeing more movement. But you, would you go... Zach Levine's the other one that keeps getting mentioned. Like, would you try and get a package of Levine and Caruso and give up Rui Hachimura, Max Christie, D'Lo, something to that effect, and the draft pick and any pick swaps or whatever else you can do? I think Levine could do well there because I think LeBron would keep him in check. Because his, his major thing is his ego. Yeah. Um, and that he puts up a lot of dumb shots. But you look at like Kyrie I think Siakam, Siakam would be good up there because he's a two-way player. Like he is a, is good on defense and can drop you yeah. maybe 20 points a game as your third, fourth option. Yep. Um, and he plays he plays the right style of basketball. So I feel like Siakam plays the right style of basketball. He's, he's obviously someone from overseas and so he's learned the game a bit differently than those yeah. in America. So he's more of a pass-first mentality and that sort of thing. So I think that could work well for them alongside like a LeBron and that sort of thing and maybe take some load off LeBron. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, does DeJounte Murray, I don't know whether he's going to be a good fit there. Look, the biggest thing I think that the Lakers struggle with at the moment is that they can't shoot a lick. Yeah. Like they need shooting. So... Do you I, go after like a Buddy Heald or something? Yeah, or Bogdanovich from Detroit. Bogdanovich. Or, um, Bogdanovich a, a, from uh, Hawks. Yep, from the Hawks, absolutely. Maybe, um, maybe package them up. Seth Curry. Him and, him and DeJounte. Throw Paddy Mills in there as well. Yeah, Paddy Mills, yeah. You know, that little bit of explosiveness with some shooting off the bench. And there's a veteran voice as well that they would be sitting on their bench for him doing his towel waving. Yep. Um, but you look at like Kyrie Irving played his best basketball of his career when he was playing with LeBron. Yes. So as the point you made about Zach Levine, it might be exactly what he needs to really flourish in the NBA because the Bulls have been so much better with him out injured. Without without any picks and assets that they can put with players and that though, um, they're just going to need to get rid of players really. Yes. I think Jackson Hayes could be one that they could get rid of. I think he's on a veteran's minimum. Hayes is on, um, isn't on much. Christian Wood's not on much. These guys are definitely movable. Most they're, they're, they're players that could go to a team um, and help shore up their front line. Absolutely. And, and most teams are pretty um, 
Oh, so most contracts are pretty team friendly. Yeah. With the Lakers. Like, again, if you're looking at the Hawks, do you throw Clint Capella in with mm. DeJounte and send both of them up over to the Lakers? Yeah. Get back a whole bunch of garbage, but as long as you get those picks. Yeah. You know, Clint Capella means that AD can play the four, which is where he wants to play. And then it shores up their interior defense so much. I know we've talked about him going to even Golden State and those sorts of things, or even to the Knicks and yeah. you know, lots of those sorts of uh, options. But you know, again, you mentioned you know, the Warriors, basically everybody but Steph's available. You look at the Hawks, they're, they're openly saying everyone except for Trey and Jalen Johnson is available. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see who pulls the trigger next yeah. on a big trade because yep. like it's brewing there's something brewing and it's going to be a massive well i think like, i think trade. january 15 is the key because that again frees up more contracts to be moved yeah um and my last point uh going back to the east is miami and butler is almost not going to be eligible for awards mm-hmm. because he i think he he's i think much. he's just sat out his 11th game which yeah, is with the I think they have to play 60-something, don't they? I think it's 65. 65 games. So I think he's coming up to mid-teens sitting out. So he's only really got like seven, eight more games that he can miss before he's ineligible. Do you reckon he cares? No, he doesn't care. He's he's not in a contract year. No. So I don't think it really affects him that much. Um, they're, actually, they're actually doing pretty well without him though because um, they are still sitting seventh at 22 and 16. Just cruising along. Just cruising along. Like like maybe did. They did that last year though. They yeah. just cruised along, realized they were in trouble, got into the play-in tournament, worked their way in and made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Ridiculous. But again, Miami to me is another one of those organizations that are a little bit like the Spurs. Like it's it comes from the top. But when you got Pat Riley, you've just re-signed Coach Spo. And I was about I was about to just yeah, say that. Coach Spo, um, hundred and twenty million dollar deal for US, the next eight years. US US dollars, yeah. So it's about hundred and eighty Australian. Yep. Um so over the next eight years, Coach Spo is gonna make more money than seventy percent of players he, in the NBA. He will be the highest so they were talking about this uh, the other day. He's the highest paid professional coach in North American sports. Now, there are other coaches in like the NFL that get more per year. Yeah. But over the, the length of a deal, it's the biggest one in history. Yeah. And and that's it. You've, you hit the nail on the head saying they've shored up that coaching spot. Yeah. Now for Spoke, the next eight years. So let's start building. Let's start and, doing something. You know, Coach Spoke is involved with Team USA. Like yes. people want to play for him. Yes. That's the thing. Like, you know, Greg Popovich is another one of those. Steve Kerr, these guys are the coaches that people want to and play he's, for. And he's a proven winner. Like, I'm, I know when you've got LeBron, Wade, Bosch, oh, Ray yeah. Allen, and that sort of thing. It makes your job a lot easier. It makes your job a lot easier, but you still have to put all those personalities together on the court and get them moving in the same direction. It's, it's and one Coach of, Spo did that really well. It's one of the reasons why I actually, as much as I like to bag on the Clippers, that Ty Lue's a very good coach. Mm. Like, uh, who I can't remember who it was. It was one of the podcasts I was listening to, but they were talking about how, like, Great players make terrible coaches, but it's your role players that make great coaches. I'm pretty sure I said that. Yeah, and no, I reckon I've heard it somewhere else as well. But yeah, um, like, and because they were talking about T. Lou at the time, and like he wasn't a superstar player, but he's a great coach. He's a people person. He manages those players and manages those egos. I love, I love the story of Spo though. I know this is getting off topic a bit. How he started in the film room, film room, all the way through to and head coach. all the way to head coach. And um, Pat Riley saw something in him that yeah. was just like. 
this guy's going to actually go somewhere. He must have been doing something amazing with that 100%. film to to be picked up by Pat Riley, who's like one of the greatest coaches in the history, in the history of, the of the NBA. And apparently, you suppose, come out and basically yeah. said that he can see himself in a dual role position of coaching and GM if Pat Riley would ever step down. Yeah, right. And you know, would that be amazing? Like say, going from the film room to head coach and GM of the franchise. Oh, look, after this eight-year contract, um, He'll be like Pat a- Riley will probably retire because yeah. he's like 80 years old. He's or either he that is. or he's a vampire um, and will live forever. <laughs> and then, uh, then Spo might step into the GM look, and co- just be GM. Co- coach Spo will be like, you know, you're Donis Haslam there in Miami. He's always going to have a role there. Yeah. Whether he's coaching, whether he's GM, whether he's just a consultant, he's always going to have something there. Like yeah, they, they're, they're going to keep him on the books. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Um, but I think that brings us to the end of the top threes. That was a long top three. It today. is a long top three. This is probably the longest top three that we've had in a while. Absolutely. Here comes George, got the step and scores After our little break there, do you remember how good Paul George was when he was in Indiana? Dude, he was one of my favorite players when he was in Indy. Like, he just dunked over the uh, Miami Heat then. He was one of one. the most And his, his battles with yeah. LeBron were epic. They were next level. All right. So, normally now we have a topic that we talk about. Um, we research. And we, we research. We do everything. But we're going a bit different today. We're going off script. And we're just going to do a bit of freestyle. Yep, we've. I like. I've got a couple of things we're going to talk about, but I haven't really researched anything. It's just a bit of just talking about NBA basketball. Oh, dude, I've researched absolutely nothing. I have no points of interest at all. But I'm going to make stuff up as we go. Exactly. Um, first of all, though, I did put up on our social medias on Instagram, yes, and if anybody did. wants us to talk about anything, to to let us know. And uh, one of our guests from the other week, uh, Mr. Todd. Um, actually got back to me and was like, we need to start talking about rookies that are having a really good one. And, and look, it's with, a fair point. It we, is a very we, fair point. We but show some rookies some love. With his bias, yes, as being a Golden State Warrior bias. fan, he wanted us to talk about Jackson Davis. Look, he's been good, man. He's He's been serviceable. He's been a surprise, I'm not going to lie. He's yeah. been a surprise, but there's way better rookies than him. Way better. Like, he'll give you 15 minutes and he's... And, you know, he's He's showing a lot of talent. One of his teammates is a he's rookie better. and is playing better. Yep. Than uh, Brodinski? Yeah, Brodinski. Brodinski, he, yeah. He started today for the Warriors with Steph out. Dropped 23, no worries. And Steve Kerr's coming out saying he's going to start pretty yeah. much the rest of the season. Yep. Um, because he loves the way he plays. He's a winner. He's the same thing. Yep. And it's the same with um, Jamie Vasquez Jr. Yep. down in Miami. He's been Four-year college player comes in. His body's ready. He yep. knows how to win. And he knows how to play basketball and he's filling a role for them and he's playing well. Like I'd oh, put so him well. in the top three best rookies so far this and, year. And I think and I'll probably have, have and I'll probably have Bozinski maybe in the top five. Yeah, I agree. And I think you have to have those two guys in in particular. Yes, there's Chet and there's Wemby and Brandon Miller. Well, they're top two. You know yeah. they're top two. And, I reckon Brandon Miller's dropped down though. I would I would probably have Brandon Miller out of the top five. Yeah, and again, I don't disagree with that either, but like he's still having a good rookie mm. season the thompson boys are having good seasons but they're not you know they're not outstanding they're not setting the world on fire no. um derek lively in dallas starting center yes. has been fantastic he has been he absolutely is, fantastic again he's a better player than jackson in the warriors yes 100 
Um, you got Carson Wallace, who yeah. is coming off the bench for OKC up yep. there. Very young player. But he's playing out of his skin. He is shooting the ball outstandingly. Now, I can't remember his name, but you missed, you told me him this morning. The kid from Utah. Keontae Keon- George. Thank you. What he's, a name. Keontae. Keontae. But he's been amazing. I've watched a couple of their games. Yeah. He's he's legit. Yeah, like there's there's some it's a good rookie class, mate. This might be one in a few years' time we might need to go back and redraft. Absolutely. But yeah, there there are some very good players. Even though like, even though we know Wemby's still probably gonna go one. But Yeah, and look, but you know, you just mentioned you know, some of the players that, that are doing really well. Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson. We haven't even mentioned him. Anthony Black for the Magic. Yeah. He's started most of their games, man, as as a first year player and is running their offense. Like he's yeah. starting over Cole Anthony. Yeah, exactly right. And Cole Anthony, I'm I'm impressed with how his game's developing, actually. Like coming out of college or high school or whatever Cole Anthony did, I was a bit like, Oh, I don't know about him. Mm. And he's 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 a talks a lot of crap. He's yes, got a big atti- he's got a big attitude, got a big personality. But man, he's having a quality year and to have Anthony Black starting in front of him. Yeah. Again, the magic. Like we again, we did a whole segment on them before, but yeah, you know, they've been such a surprisingly good team this year, and they're just fun to watch. Like they the, are a very fun team. Like I think they're they're losing today. Like as as we record this, they're losing to OKC. Yeah. Um. But yeah, most teams are losing to OKC at the moment anyway. But no, like, yes, okay. Thanks for the message, Todd. We got it. But uh, <laughs> but Jackson Davis, mate, way better rookies out there. Look, I think he's filling a role for the Warriors um, and he will develop. I, I'm, I think he's going to have longevity in the NBA. But uh, but there is there is rookies out there that are having stellar seasons. And it might be something that we need to touch on in the future. We'll come back and have a look at the, the rookies. Yeah, I think we're going to have to at some point. But look, there's so many other things happening around in the NBA at the moment, like Utah putting together a cheeky little run of knocking off Philly, Milwaukee, and then Denver. Yeah, and, they, and by double figures too. Knocking off some big names. Yeah. Um, and Markinen's playing well. Back to playing how he did at the start of last year. Yeah, and he, he's been linked in trade talks as well to various teams, but surely they're not going to give him up. Do you know what they... I saw something the other day and they the Kings were looking after, like um, inquiring about him. Yeah. And the Jazz wanted Sabonis Fox... Um, Murray and somebody else. Yeah. They wanted ridiculous. four of their top players for Markinen. Yeah. And it's just like that there's in no world is that no ever team gonna, is that's ever gonna come the off. Trigger on that. Um but no, they're they're playing good basketball at the moment. And uh they should have always been playing good basketball. I feel like their roster is better than the way they were playing. Yeah, again, I think so too. They're a young team. They had made some changes in the offseason, so there's a lot going on there as well. And like following on the back of that though, how they've just gone on the run and they've beaten the big three teams and that sort of stuff. This year has been very unpredictable in the NBA. So much so. Like there's so many games where you're like, oh, that's just going to be a one-sided affair and something. And then a team will come out and win. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay. I didn't see that happening. Um, Like Charlotte going into Sacramento, losing eight games in a row and knocking them off. And knocking them off. And you're like, what the hell? And they didn't even have LaMelo Ball back then. Terry Rozier has been playing amazing for Charlotte. They need to trade him because I'll actually get something decent for him. But again, then you look at a game like just last week, Portland and, and OKC, and OKC won by 62 points. And that that, that bring, is ridiculous. That's something I wanted to touch on. Um, I know we're freestyling a bit here, but it's been on my mind lately is that 
there's just been a whole heap of blowouts. So many. In the NBA the other day. Like, I was watching a game. But Golden State, like I just mentioned before, lost to the Pelicans at home by 36. Yeah. Um, I was watching Bucks Celtics. Yeah. And obviously, the Celtics were coming off the back of playing Minnesota. So, number one teams facing each other. They went to overtime. So, it was, it was a big game, big game and- for them and that sort of thing. But they came up against the Bucks and were down 40 points. At half time. Yep. It was like 36 points or something. But even, I, th- I think you messaged me, it was during the week, and um, it was Detroit and Sacramento, I think. Detroit put up 47 points in the first quarter. Yeah. That is an obscene amount of points. And in they were losing at half time. Yeah, and then they lost the game because yeah. it's Detroit and they're trash. Yeah. But you're right, you know, your teams are. Is, is this an effort thing? Is this teams are just not playing defense? Are teams just shooting the ball exceptionally Look, well? Look, me and you both know that the NBA isn't known for its defense. No, it's definitely not. There's And there's international players, like all the Aussies that go over there and play are always just like, yeah, they don't play defense. Like yeah. it's the easiest to, to score baskets in the NBA because nobody literally plays defense. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've talked about it. Like if you haven't gone and listened to our timeout series that we released last week... Um, and we were looking at the 90s best players. Yeah. All of them were two-way players. Yeah. There are so many players that come into the league and everyone's like, oh, this guy's a superstar. And they, they're liabilities on defense. How would the, how, how's this sound, right? I know, again, we're off topic, but hey, we're making this up as we go. We Behind the scenes and on the pod, we bag the All-Star game and the All-Star yes. weekend because it's garbage and it's just people trying to dunk on everybody. What if they had an All-Star game where the lowest score won? Reward defense. Reward defense. It wouldn't very be very good. It to wouldn't watch. be pretty to watch. But if there was some way that they could reward defense, it's not really pretty to watch now, anyway. No, and this thing, it's not enjoyable to watch, and people yeah. don't watch it. Like, and you get players that go, "Oh, I've got a toe injury" because they don't want to play. They just want to have four days off. Yeah. So either just give them the time off and do the All Star Weekend every second year, or they need to do something to reinvent. It. Here's something: Do they kind of do it similar? Because I know they give away money to charity. Yeah. But do they start offering money to the players? Yeah, you can. But it's, it's again, it's hard because you've got fan votes and you've got, again, it's a superstar league. So you always just, you're more or less just always having the same players in the All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I know. But but I know what you're saying. Like there needs to be something to incentivize the players to actually put in the effort. Cause, but at the same time, I get it. Like as a player, if if playing basketball is your livelihood and that's how you support your family. You you don't want to risk an injury in an all-star game, no. blow, blow your knee out and miss the next year of your career. Yeah. So I get it. So I do get why they half-ass it for lack of a better term. Do you but, know what I find the most entertaining of the all-star game weekends at the moment? Tell me. Three-point shooting contest. Yeah. That's been the most entertaining. Dunk contest has been a joke since... Um, Levine and Aaron Gordon ruined it for everybody. Yep. Um, cause which and I, I stand by this, Aaron Gordon was robbed. He was. He he had the best dunks and then um Zach Levine jumps from the foul line twice and wins it with two fifties. And I'm yeah. like, he just did that dunk. He did the same dunk he twice. He did the same dunk twice. Yeah. You can't give him a fifty on each of them. No, you can't. And look at but, the end, hey, you know what? No, no, but again, there is no topic, so we're fine. In this day and age, I don't think Dunking from the free throw lines of fifty anymore. No, it's been done for so long, and, and with the amount of athleticism exactly. in the NBA these days, I Whereas, think I think like sixty percent of the players could probably do it these days. Oh, look, you're absolutely right. But you look at 
you know, some of Vince Carter's dunks back in the day when he yep. was at the Raptors in the dunk comps. Like, they were legit. They were entertaining, too. One of my f- all-time favorites is Gerald Green's cupcake dunk. So if, if Underrated you dunk. That is so, an underrated dunk. So if you don't know what that is, what he did was he got a cupcake, he put it on the back of the ring with a candle in it and the candle lit. He ran jumped up, blew the candle out, and then dunked the ball. Yes. And like, the cupcake stayed on the ring. And the cu- cupcake stayed there. But to be able to get that close to the ring, that's creative. That was fun to watch. And like even back in the day when it was like Nate Robinson versus Dwight Howard and stuff, yeah. there was a bit of showmanship about it. And it was it was pretty entertaining. It was more entertaining. Um, And you always, you always want to go for the little dog. Like Nate Robinson yeah. running up Duncan over the top of Shaq or whatever he yeah. did. And you're just kind of like, whoa. Well, where'd that come from? Like I like some of the stuff that they're doing with the skills comp, like where they're bringing back in like some of the female players, like WM yeah. player players and some of the um, like retired greats of the game as well. Like that's kind of cool to see that and those sorts of things. So I think they're trying, but it's just mm. the game itself is just not what it used to be. Like, nah. you know, like you said, we look at the... Um, you know, the best players in the 80s, the 90s, and, and the noughties. You know, when we're looking at notable achievements, we're looking at, you know, all-star game MVPs are there because it actually meant something back yeah, then. Yeah, it meant something back in the day. But these days, you're a bit like, man. Yeah. Um, going back to our topic, though, what we were talking about before, that we got off topic for the all-star game about just blowouts and defense oh, yeah, that's and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's been some ridiculous stat lines or scores put up by teams um, like there was one night in particular where six teams put up over 140 points yeah. and it was the first time in NBA history and two of them were in the same game. Yeah, it's it, absolutely ridiculous. Like uh, Indy, I think, went on a stretch of about four or five games in a row scoring more than 150. Like that's insane. It has, it has been shown though in the uh, NBA though, you need to be probably top five defenses yeah. in the NBA to have a chance at winning it. Yeah. Well, there's so many teams at the moment who are just putting an emphasis on putting the ball in the basket. They're yeah. not they're not focusing on the defensive side of it. No. Which yes, you can run and gun and it's going to win you some games. Look at Indiana. Yeah. Indiana have a very potent offense, especially when Halliburton who's out injured at the moment, yes, but when he's fit and healthy, yeah. And their offense is running on all cylinders, they have one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah. But their defense is still a liability. No, you're absolutely right. And you look at teams like the Lakers which is the flip side to the moment, a very good defensive team. They got all the way to the conference finals based on their defense, yep. but they can't score at all. Yeah, and they're relying on a 39-year-old to, to carry him. And he's doing an amazing Yeah, he's doing job, it very but, well. But yeah. Look, Shout out to AD, who's who's having an all-star caliber year though, he this is. year. He's staying healthy and he's on the court and he's doing what we said at the start of the year. When we, at the start of the season, when we started our podcast, we said, AD, it comes down to his health. Yeah. If he can stay on the court... He's one of the top big men in the league. Yeah, I completely agree. And he is. No, and 100% he is. he is. He absolutely is. Disappears in the second half some games. And yeah, again, whether that's fatigue, whether that's effort, whether it's energy, there's loads of different things that could be. But yeah, look, you're absolutely right. I don't know what it is, if it's just shooting efficiency or if it is defense, but some of the scores are just ludicrous. Yeah. Um, in that Boston game and against the Bucks. Mm. They Bucks came. I know Boston came out in the second half, and their coach, um, who, who's their coach again? Of Boston, Boston. Uh, Young Joe Missoula. Joe Missoula. That's right. But he literally, in his interview at halftime, um, he benched all his starters, yeah. and they didn't play the second half because he was just sick of their effort yeah, and played all their bench. And he literally criticised them in his halftime interview. 
Yeah, which and is And I was just like, too. whoa. And so the Bucks came out and they're playing their starters against a, the second unit. And they got like five minutes in and Joe Mazzulla hadn't put on any of his starters. Um, and so Griffin, Adrian Griffin on the of the Bucks, um, yeah. literally just benched all his starters. Yeah, and why wouldn't And you? so it was just like a bench versus bench game. And let's be honest, I turned it off. Yeah. Oh, don't I'm, I'm not like, and even ESPN. You, read, yeah, you told me that. They, they ESPN to switched game. to the Knicks game. Yeah. And because it was better, it was closer game. And yeah. but that day, that day was just blowouts. I swear, like, out of the five games that were on um, League Pass, like four of them were over like twenty point blowouts. And it's just you know you think about you know the Jordan era of basketball. Mm. Teams weren't winning by sixty. No. You know, te- games then were you know eighty to ninety that sort of scoreline, not a hundred and forty to one hundred and ten. With the scouting and the research that goes into games, though, it normally comes down to a couple of plays. Like, teams will go on runs. Like, yeah, teams they, always go on runs. They all do. And we know the NBA is a team um, on momentum. Like, games are on momentum. And teams get momentum. They'll go on, they'll score some points, and the other team might get their momentum going. And get, but it's back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most of the games come down to a couple of possessions. And that's why we love the NBA. Yep. You've got those big shots and that sort of stuff. There used to be a comment that, you know, to watch an NBA game, you just need to watch the last like eight minutes of the game. Yeah, which that, goes for half an hour. But. Yeah, but but now you can turn it on with eight minutes to go on a game and there's a 40-point cushion for someone. You're like, I'm not watching this. Yeah, and there's so many games where I look at the scoreline and a team's up 20 and I'm like, I'm not putting that on. Yeah. There's, there's no point in me watching a one-sided blowout. Um, And yeah, but like, is it just because of teams just in the rebuild phase because there, there is a lot there was a lot of rebuild phase like i'm part of nba fans down under which yeah. is a facebook group and after the 60 point loss um, by portland to okc um portland became the second team in nba no it was the first team in nba history to lose multiple games by 60 which is crazy. they lost to indiana in the 1998 season by like 68 i think um and then yeah lost to okc by 63 um and someone was just like, oh, what are they going to do to win? Like, blow up, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And I was just like, dude, they're a young team. Let them learn. Yeah, exactly right. They got to learn somehow. They got to learn how to lose games and be better. Like, just, and I'm like, they don't need to do nothing. Just keep their young core together yeah. and just develop for a couple of years. They're yeah. going to they're gonna struggle for a couple of years. Of course. Especially when they paid all this money for Aiton. Yeah. Um, and he's he can't even stay on the court. No. And yeah. when he is, he was I think he was averaging eight points and eight it rebounds was, it a game. It wasn't much. And it's like, he's meant to be a franchise player that you're putting alongside Scoot Henderson and Scoots he's putting up franchise. eight and eight. He's putting up eight and eight for yeah. you. Scoot's your franchise, Sheldon Sharp, Anthony Simons, these you look guys. At, you look at it and you're kind of like, was he just living off Devin Booker when he was in, at the Suns because Booker was drawing so much yeah. attention that it left eight and open inside that he could do pretty yeah. much what he wanted. And Scoot's not the player that Booker is, so that's not happening at No, all. so now teams are actually like, oh, we're going to have to guard eight. Actually have to defend him. And he's and he's putting up eight and eight. Yeah, he's trash. Yeah. And look, again, we, we sort of touched on this earlier in the in the show and we don't want to talk about it much, but the umpiring. All right, let's finish okay, up with so, the umpiring. So I just want to make reference of, of two particular calls. Today... Jay, uh, Jason Tatum got ejected for Boston and if you watch the video that I watched just before he's gone up to dunk the ball with two hands and he's had his right arm ripped off 
Yeah, right. And, and the umpire under the ring has just gone, no call, that's fine, play on. Like, it is It is so obvious and blatant. Like, that he lost his mind, he got ejected. Fair enough, he probably swore, whatever, you know, he'll cop that. But it was such a horrible no call. Is it, was it a dangerous play? It wasn't a dangerous play. He wasn't. He did end up on his backside, but again, it wasn't a hard fall or anything like that. But it was a huge foul. How three NBA officials did not see it is mind-boggling. The other one is Jalen Brown. So I know this is two Boston games, but they're just the two that stick in my head where he's driven kind of baseline-ish, elevated for a jump shot. Someone's come over the back of him. They did get a piece of the ball, but they've smacked him across the back of the head. Yeah. And they've called... Now, I can't remember if they called a foul and then it was reviewed and overruled, or it wasn't called a foul, it was reviewed, and then they still just went, oh, no, it's not a foul. Look, because he touched the ball. we We know the NBA refs are the best... In the world, and they they get paid good money yeah. to do it and that sort of stuff. Um, but they're human, man. They yeah. they're gonna make mistakes and that sort of thing. And we've played enough basketball in our lives that coaches always say you got to play to the refs. You got to play to play to the whistle stuff. Play to the whistle. You don't give up and that sort of thing. Um, but look, I think it's fair that that Tatum went off if he got fouled and there was no call because it is it is meant, to, as I said earlier in this podcast, it is an all-star league. They yeah. are meant to look after their star players and like make it make the game entertaining and that sort of stuff. Like the refs um, actually get told in the NBA to let little things like travels and stuff go if it's going to be a spectacular dunk. Yeah. And that's why you can see players taking four steps before dunking it on an open like run to the basket and that just, sort of stuff it's because it's going to it's going to it's it builds up the league like oh it's that was a spectacular play yeah. they didn't bounce the ball after half court exactly so it's, it's entertainment but it's not basketball yeah but look <sighs> look i don't think we can bag the umpiring because again we're not umpires we don't know it and i it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in sport yes. being an, being an official at an elite elite level i think i think that they're, they're trying to make it with like the review system um and and all that sort of stuff which i think it thinks a progressive step for the nba yeah i like the fact that if they get their challenge correct they keep they it. keep it and they yeah. get their time out back yeah i think that's i think a good, that's a good improvement from last season um because using your challenge in like the first half of a game and then not getting another one even if you got it correct yeah was r- ridiculous that that could change the game and it's it's adding a different layer to yeah. it as well. Yeah, exactly right. So, but no, you're right. We can't we can't be bagging out the referees. But exactly. I'd, I'd all respect to them though. Um, there's a couple of times they've come out with their last two minute report and that sort of stuff, and they've actually said, "Look, the refs made a made a mistake." Yeah. So, yeah. like that, least, that's big. At least for them. they do that and they acknowledge mistakes and those sorts of things. But it is it it's, it can. It is getting hard to watch sometimes. Yes, with it can. the officiating, with the blowouts, the lack of intensity in defense, the the load management, whatever you want to call it, like it is getting a little bit tricky to watch sometimes. And this is this is probably the first season in a while where there are some days where I look at the games and I look at scores and I just decide not to put on a game. Yeah, and I'll go off and I'll do something else. Yeah. Um, but we might wrap it up there for the episode. So. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, we've probably gone a bit over time because we do get distracted, especially with no research and anything. Um, let us know what you guys think. So jump onto the Facebook and Instagram 
and uh, drop us a line. Um, I'm going to start doing more social media stuff as I've taken a break over the last little bit since I've been on holidays. Um, but get your friends involved, share the podcast. Um, uh, I had a look just before recording this and we're actually up to about 750 yeah, streams wow. overall for all platforms. Um, which isn't too bad for two Muppets uh, exactly. just talking about basketball. And that's what we did today. We just we just winged it. We just winged it. We just talked about what we're feeling about the NBA. Um, so let us know what you think. Peace. Peace. Catch you guys on the flippity flip.